right on. We're in the series called Summer Playlist, and so it gives me some freedom, uh, not that I'm ever bound to any series. We follow the Holy Spirit, of course, but gives me the opportunity to kind of jump around, and so today will be like what we would consider a standalone sermon, and so I got to make a confession to you. There's not very many things uh, that are my pet peeve. I don't have very many of them. Now, my wife would argue with that. She would be like, oh, you know, <clears throat> I think what I do have, when I do have a pet peeve, like I really have it. Are you with me? And, uh, and so there's one thing that I will fall for every single time, no matter what, you'll get me every single time. And it's this thing that j- it just drives me crazy. I, f- I take the bait on it on social media every single time it happens. I'm pretty good on social media at like kind of gracing and kind of rolling past some things, but I take the bait every single time when I see somebody going on there and constantly talking about what's wrong and da, da, da. And so they go on and they have this opinion of they know everything. They're pointing out all the wrongs. Nobody can do this. Nobody. But then they never provide solution. This is wrong. That is wrong. You shouldn't do that. Can't do that. And they shouldn't do that. And they, sh- and they scream and they bark and they make this thing. Okay, awesome. But now what? Anyone can see a problem. We can all see a problem, but the people that can put together a solution are the difference makers. Are you with me? So, you get all, so I got in a little social media scuffle a couple weeks ago, and you don't got to go look it up. Some of you are going to browse through it. Let's go see what he said. I, I know how to hide my tracks. Amen. <laughs> Just kidding. You wouldn't be able to find it. It wasn't anything you could see, but it, but it got me every single time. This person was just in a, I know it all, and I'm da-da-da-da-da, and then they never do anything. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Fourth of July weekend, um, I was we were getting ready to go do Fourth of July weekend, and um, and I was in our garage, and I was um, before the weekend, uh, usually because it's the end of the work week, uh, that's when I really uh, like to just finish out a good workout. So I was on o- almost to like my two hundredth pull up, and uh, just hitting it hard, <laughs> and uh, I don't. What did I say? <laughs> and uh, and so hitting it hard. Okay, actually, I was taking fireworks off the top of like a six-foot shelf. So just a plastic tote of firecrackers. I was like taking it off. And my back just went bananas, like pop in my back, just like just pain. Like I've never had before. Like I'm not even going to put myself in the category of some of you that are like, yeah, I throw out my back. It happens to me. I don't want to join that team, so I'm not going to say I'm on that level yet. Uh, but it happened. So like my back, okay. And like it, it, and some of you are going to know that are back thrower outer people. I couldn't even breathe. My daughter was with me. She's six. And so I get this thing over my head and like, and I'm basically froze. And so she's with me, like something's wrong because I'm walking, like just trying to get it to my truck, like with this thing. So I finally get it on the truck and I like, I crawl into the house and I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor because I'm trying to just find a position that I can breathe. Like, my back was so, and I'm like, I can't breathe. And so Jess, uh, my wife, who loves me, she's yelling at me from the other room. Like, what are you doing? We got to go. I'm like, go without me. It's been a great year, you know. So uh, she calls Peasley Brothers Chiropractic Care. Somebody say amen. And they're in our church. They're sitting over here. They run Peasley Brothers Chiropractic. So she calls them up. They just happen to be in town. Bless their heart. Amen. And, uh, and so they come right over. And so Andrew comes in the house, and I'm like laying on the Oh, first they told me to put ice on it. So I'm laying on this ice. And um, there's more to that story I won't get into. But <clears throat> so they come in, 
And Andrew, if you don't know Andrew, he's sitting right here. He is a nerd about chiropracting. Like, if you've never been a chiropractor to a chiropractor adjustment or whatever you call them, is that what you say, an adjuster? They got all these hippie terms to make it not sound whatever. <laughs> if you've never experienced it, this dude loves it. And so he shows up into my living room, um, kind of like somebody excited to really do something. Like, all right, let's see what you did here. Like getting his hands ready. Let's see what you did over here. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> but uh, he shows up, and then I'm there, and he starts to get to my back. And he's like, oh, oh, man. And I'm sort of hoping there's like voodoo magic he knows or something where he's like I'll do this and then you're good for the fourth of July I was hoping it would be that and uh it wasn't that and so he gets to me and he's all he's all oh oh and then and again this is the part where he's weird like your back is all numbered and has all this stuff and so he uh he has all that memorized and so he's like touching my back and he's like oh the seven and the thing and the blah 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 and he's like telling me about and I'm just like I just need to be fixed dude like I don't care about my numbers (laughs) And he's using all these big words about spine stuff. And I'm like confessing for no reason. I had Mountain Dew today. I did in the morning. I had a Mountain Dew. I know you hate that, but I did. But I'm jacked up. I'm just hurting and we got the whole thing. And so what I'm grateful for is he didn't check it all out and go like, yeah, dude, you made a mess. That's a problem. That's going to really hurt. That's terrible. See ya. What did he do? He said this and that and this. But what we can do now is this. And he spoke life and he gave fruit to it, right? He, you understand what I'm trying to say spiritually? He's like, why don't you do this and adjust this and do that? And then you're going to see things come back into wholeness. I wish the Church of America would just stop getting up and shouting stuff at people and being negative and saying this and saying, I wish they would come in alongside and be like, hey, why don't you do this and do that? And you'll see life come back in. Are you with me? Who cares that you can point out a problem? Who cares? And we've created a whole political system out of it. We just get up and say, that person's this and this person. And we all get loud and we all point out the problems and nobody's doing any work. You could amen better than that because it's truth. (laughs) But we need to be a people. Maybe that's why God has put together the body of Christ to be the salt and the light and the solution. Are you with me? So we aren't called to be people who just get up and shout about the problems and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. No, we need to be the people who come in and bring the aid. Amen. The scripture says in John 10, 10, you know this, it says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I want to challenge you on this. If you're coming into a situation in the way that you talk and the way that you act and the way that you plan, if you're coming into situations and it's stealing from the atmosphere, it's, it's hindering the atmosphere, it's negative to the atmosphere, you might be playing on the team of the wrong side of this scripture. But if you're coming into atmospheres and you're speaking life and you're encouraging and you're giving more abundantly to the atmosphere, how many know you're probably on the right side of the team of that scripture? Amen. We have got to be a people who come in and give life and speak life instead of speak doubt and negativity and doom. The church has got to come in and and be the light and be the salt and show that we're the answer. Hey, Jesus walks along and he's saying, not big speeches. He didn't come and hold picket signs and say, and this is the problem and this is the problem. He said, no, come with me while I show you how to do this thing. 
and spoke life. And that's what we got to be, these people who come in and give life to atmospheres and build up and not tear down. But we live in a culture that the way that you get attention is by pointing out the negative. Yeah, did you see so? Did you hear about? Oh, have you seen this at it yet? And that's how we get our attention, and that's how we make our headlines. But God's calling us to be the people who come in and speak life. Amen. Maybe that's why the scripture, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So the harvest, there's plenty of harvest. There's, there's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to point to. Hey, look at that. And there's harvest there and there's harvest there. There's plenty of that. But the people who come down and get in the field and actually do something and work and make a difference and bring in the abundance, those are few. Because it's easy to be the people who walk along the road and go, look at the harvest. Look at that. Look at all that. Somebody's going to have to work on all of that. No, that doesn't do any good. We got other people who get in and bring life and make a difference and bring in the harvest for the kingdom. Amen. I see it so much with young leaders. Uh, when I say young leaders, it just means even young, just even into ministry positions, uh, church planters and other people. They are so insanely bloated with information, podcasts and books and vlogs and uh, all of this information. They got tons of information. The Harvard, they got all of this kind of stuff but they're not working hard at getting in and giving that abundant giving. Are you with me? Putting it back into action. So it's great. You've read all the books. It's great. You do all the podcasts. It's amazing that you go to all the conferences, but if you aren't taking what you've learned and what God is giving you and putting it into action and giving life to people abundantly, then what's the point? And that's picking on the young people. I consider myself in the middle, so I'm not guilty of either. Uh, I see the old people make the same mistake in a different way. God's called them to be people who give life and speak life and encourage and build up. But the problem is the generation under them does it a little different than them. And so they disconnect and they don't participate and they go, well, you know, I've done it before and I've seen it before and I've been a part of it before and they're not doing it the right way. And so they then stop giving life and they start becoming negative. Are you with me? And they start speaking death and speaking ill into the way that the younger generation is doing. And it hinders, doesn't it? We need to be a people that speak life and speak abundance into atmospheres because that's how God called us to be. The truth is about the kingdom of God is that it's an everlasting kingdom. What we do with our words, what we do with our actions, what we do with, with the things that we're building, it is everlasting. When God looks on it, it's not like, hey, build it for yourself, take care of yourself. No, because everything you do, like Abraham, you're blessed to be a blessing. And then that blessing, the scripture says, is everlasting. That's why the scripture says that for generation to generation, God's promises are true. That's why we worship and we sing about all these promises. Why? Because it is something we can stand on. These promises of God. We know that the scripture said that uh, generation to generation, we saw God mention Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was that? Father, son. And you even see grandchildren. All of these things throughout scripture, God's got his mind on. Why does he? Because it's everlasting. How important is it for us to speak well about what God is doing in the kingdom and in our communities versus speak negative and sow discord because it just affects generations. Are you with me today? 
So I would love to bring you a message today about, oh, God, going to bless you and give you a thing and all that kind of stuff. And I realize this isn't going to give you all the feels this morning. But I'll tell you this, if we can make this adjustment in our lives about speaking right and paying attention to the right things, if we can make this adjustment, you will see a spiritual blessing in your life. Amen? Amen. The truth is, when you got saved, you got in a blessing position. When you said, okay, I'm no longer walking in my own ways, I'm now walking in covenant with God, you then put yourself in a position to receive blessing, to give blessing. And so it's important for you to be speaking and thinking that for your kids, your neighborhood, the world, all of those things that God's giving to you, again, he wants you to give to others. So how important is it that as you're giving out of yourself, you're doing it with a life-giving message? Not a negativity, not a speak death, not a speak ill. Amen. We uh, mentioned it just a minute ago that this is forever. Psalm 105 verse 8 says, he remembers his covenant forever the promises he made for a thousand generations. When we get it with God, when God speaks to us and encourages us and we speak life over that and we birth that thing into what it's supposed to be, the scripture says that there's a promise of that thing for a thousand generations. We got to get it right. Amen, church? We say this all the time. People rise or fall to the level of your praise. If we talk about our kids down here, we talk about our coworkers down here, and we talk about our employees down here, we talk about everybody being down here, how many know they're only going to get to here? But when we talk about people up here and we praise them up here and we encourage them, that's why God could look down and say, hey, I know, Gideon, you're hiding in this, in this cave. I know that you're hiding. But you know what I see? I see a mighty man of valor. What did he become? Mighty man of valor. Amen. Why? Because it's a spiritual principle that if we speak over one another life and what God says about us, then we'll rise. Are you with me? So people rise or fall to the level of our praise. Well, how do we make that happen? It's a very common scripture that I want us to spend a little bit of time on. But Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. I love the passion translation here in Proverbs 18, 21. It says your words. I never do this, but everybody say my words. words. So your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. I'm a talkative person, and I just remind myself that that's a positive thing. If you're doing it the right way, you'll reap the positive consequences. Where's my talkative people at? Say amen. Amen. But it says this, your words. Now, we know God's words have power. We know that. We all amen that and agree with that. God's word has power. But do you know that the scripture says right here that you were created to be a person, that your words have the ability of life and death. And you could ignore it like gravity. You could be like, oh, I don't know if I believe that. But every life and death word you spoke would still have a fruit. Amen. I don't know if I believe all that. That sounds too like hippie, hocus pocus. No, no, no. It's a truth. It was put in motion by God. Your words have life and death. We need to be careful about what we're saying. Amen. Yeah. It says you'll get the consequences. You'll reap the consequences. But that's a good thing. If we talk right, we get right. There's your Twitter thing right there, making me sound real smart. God shows us this example, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It says, by faith we understand that the universe universe was formed at God's command or God's word. He spoke so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So here's what we need to understand. You need to think about this every morning that you wake up. God created this world. This world came to be by his words. God spoke 
world was framed. Just like the scripture before that I just read says this, what you speak has the opportunity to become life. Amen. So the scripture says this, that God spoke and it became. Well, the scripture also says that we're called to be imitators of God. So if we're created in the likeness and the image of God and God was a person who spoke and it came to be, that means that when we use our words, what we speak comes to be. So we walk around talking negative, blasting this, blasting that, talking about this and that. You're going to frame that kind of world in your life. So many people sit back and go, how did I ever get to this? I can't believe my kids or my marriage. And you lay in bed thinking like, how did it ever get here? I bet if we were around the tape, we would actually see that months ago, we began speaking in a way that we're now living in. Because what's on your tongue is in your future. You frame your world. You frame your future by the words that you speak. We have got to start speaking life-giving. Isn't it interesting, though, that we get on social media and much of our tone is negative, and I share this negative, and I got a thing to say and a point to make, and it's not life-giving. The culture that we are in is just, it's just this negative and negative, and I need to say this thing and say that thing. What if we showed up and became life-giving? Amen. So you frame your future by the words you speak. You are what you speak. What's on your tongue is in your future. Winston Churchill uh, was known for his incredible speeches. Uh, The British prime minister in the 1900s, one of his things that he's famous for is not that his troops and his uh, teams, if you will, his soldiers, they they weren't maybe the most equipped or the sharpest or the smartest, but they became so motivated and so rallied by his speeches that they saw great success. So he just had this way of, of motivating and organizing and sending into battle. And so they asked him, they said, how is that you can motivate these people so well? And he said this, I learned how to organize the English language and send it into battle. He just found a way to just talk right and rally right and send things in. Uh, college football season's right around the corner. And so I begin to see all these sports teams, they're putting their graphics out for the season. And, and many of these teams end up picking a slogan. And so they, they say this year, Michigan Wolverines is this. And, uh, and it's kind of their thing. And why do they do that? Why do they give it a motto? Well, because people rise to the level of your praise. If as a team, you're rallying behind this marching order, there's power in the words spoke over the team. Are you with me? Uh, the Spartans, and I can't believe I'll give them credit, but uh, they did this really good for a couple years. Uh, I remember in their seasons, they would have this motto, and for a little while, they would say, reach higher, was like their thing, reach higher. And so you'd be watching this game, and as a Michigan fan, I'm like, they're garbage. They can't reach high. They're garbage. And then they kept winning, and then they kept winning a game they shouldn't win. And so all of a sudden, I'm over here going like, oh, my God, they're going to reach higher. (laughs) They're going to get there. Spartans Will was the big one. It was putting out on billboards when they had their short little run of success, a tiny little short run. But uh, they had this little run of success. And Spartans will. That was their thing. Spartans will. And sure enough, man, we were like, oh, Spartans are nothing. And we'd be in a game. In Michigan lost some games to them recently. And we'd be in this game. And then, oh, my gosh, here come Spartans. And they, they just they wouldn't go away. And, they would, and I'm like saying to my boys, oh, you guys, Spartans are going to will. They're going to do it. But D'Antonio had a way of getting his team to rise to this. Why? I think he understood that there's, there's power in what you say over one another. I promise you, if you got inside the helmet of those players in the back of their mind, they had this, this belief and this mindset because they've continued to say, hey, Spartans will. We can reach higher. Are you with me? Yeah. Reach higher comes from another party thing with MSU, but <laughs> no, none of you go greeners. The process of following God requires us 
to speak life and use our words and frame our future. The whole process, I'm going to run you through it. But all throughout our walk with God, God asks of us to use our words to speak life to see spiritual fruit. Think about salvation. God asks of us to use our words in order to connect in salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus raised, the Lord Jesus, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, it could have just said if you believe in your heart. It already says that. But it asks you to do what? Frame your future with your words. It's asking you to speak life into your atmosphere. That's salvation. The second one is faith. We know by faith, by having success. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a big part of how we walk and follow God. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, you got to say it, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say, didn't say what they think or what they feel, what they say, it will be done for them. Our faith process requires us to use our words and speak life. Repentance, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We also know that the scripture says that right now in heaven, God is watching over his words. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Why? God wants us to speak his word, and then from heaven, he performs his word in our lives. God is watching over his word to perform it. And when we speak his word, it enacts heaven. Come on, you guys, this is amazing. This is amazing that if we can get it right with our words, there's full promises. Think about it like this. Jesus is like, look, I'm ascending to heaven. I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to sit at the seat with the Father. Then I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be your power. He's going to be your power. But he's also, we saw in the scriptures in the book of Acts, that uh, they gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came in. And the scripture says that he came upon them and they were speaking in other tongues. So a Holy Spirit supernatural power was sent from heaven to people. And isn't it interesting that one of the evidences of that was speaking? Why? Because God cares about what comes out of your mouth. Because it has the ability to frame your future. Amen. And so it just matters how we speak. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 4 says this. A wicked person listens to deceitful lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Can I tell you something? We turn into so many shows and culture nowadays. Kardashian and The View and what's going to happen on Fox News and CNN. We tune into all of those with this appetite of what are the deceitful lips going to say today? I wonder what destructive tongue is going to happen today. And we browse Twitter just looking for somebody to say destructive thing. Am I telling the truth today? Yeah. And that's not the way God called us to live. He says a wicked person is somebody who pays attention to that kind of talk. We need to be a people who pay attention to healthy, life-giving, abundant kind of talk. Amen. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 12, 18 says the words of the reckless pierce like swords. How many have ever accidentally said something that you wish you could immediately take back? Recklessly, you said something and it pierced like a sword. Oh, I wish I could, but you can't because your words have power. Are you with me? Then it says this, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
How many on the other side have ever been in a situation where you're going through something and the tongue of the wise spoke something to you and then immediately you just felt such a healing? It actually annoyingly happens to me like this. For like months, Jess will be talking to me about something and I'll be giving her advice. I'll be like, yeah, this and that. And, and I'll be saying this and, and she'll listen and she'll whatever. And I'll just keep, well, I think it's this and I did it. And then she'll go out with one of her friends. And they'll say the same thing that I've been saying for two months. But when she gets home, she's going to be like, she gets home and she's like, yeah, they said da-da-da. And they're just so right. It's so true. I'm like, I've been saying that two months. The wise, it brings healing. There's our words, literally, God, God positioned you and equipped you. And it's our honor to be a people who can come into other people's lives and speak a word of wisdom that brings healing. We got to just think about how we're doing it. How much time are we spending negative? Right? Yeah. Okay. So I thought about this statistically. I was, uh, forget where I pulled this from. I, I should have wrote it down. But I, I was hearing, uh, either I read it or listened to it on podcast. But I heard that uh, between two close women, and this isn't a call out. Yeah, it is. But anyway, <laughs> between two close women who consider themselves close to, tight to, connected to, uh, basically dear to two great friends, uh, 84% of their text message conversation when polled, 87, or 84% of their text message conversation had negative tones to it. Uh, in the sense of not like, oh, I hate my life, but more in the tones of like, oh, the kids are driving me crazy. Oh, I can't believe what I look like in these jeans. Oh, here we go. My husband's driving me crazy. Can you believe he left the house like... None of you women are here today, but I'm just saying <laughs> the kids and the bank account and how I feel and how I look and how bad my workout went. Are you with me? We don't have enough money. I wish we could take a trip like that. I wish I could wear something like that. I wish this fit me. Anybody in the house today? Don't worry, guys. I got something for you, too. The statistic also said this, guys, and this is so true. This is so true. 68% of men who come home in the first 15 minutes of their time being home, 68% of us have negative comments or tones in the first 15 minutes upon our arriving at home. You get home from work, you show up, 68% of the time, what do we do? We start to tap into negativity. What's this doing here? Who put that there? What's this? Why is that? I thought I told you to put that fire out before I came home. <laughs> How's it still burning? <laughs> But don't we do it, guys? We get home from work and we show up with us. But that's your time to do what? That's your time to come home and give life and frame the future and speak word. Are you with me today? So we just got to get this right because God gave us this great honor of speaking life. They say if just 10 out of every 100 comments spoke between a husband and wife, if just 10 out of 100 of those are negative, you're likelihood of divorce is twice as much. You're twice as likely to get a divorce if just 10 out of your 100 comments to one another have negative tones to them. Maybe that's why Philippians 2.4 says this, do everything without complaining and arguing. Is that possible? It's not possible, right? But this scripture is just saying like your mindset should be, you know what? I'm going to come into every atmosphere and I'm going to show up on the scene of everything without complaining and without arguing. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, we're called to challenge things. We're called to, like, stand up for truth. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the posture that we show up. Amen. Yeah. I was talking to somebody after first service, and uh, we were talking about how 
you know, just negativity robs, you know, it just robs from you. And it's interesting how like we just will rehearse negativity. Nothing has changed, but we start the story again. So maybe you got something going on. And so on your way to somewhere and you got the kids in the car and it's summer, you should have the windows, <coughs> excuse me, down, right? You should have the windows down and the music blasting. It's summer. We should be enjoying our kids. But on the way there, we're talking negative and we're rehearsing the negativity. And then we go to the thing and we do the thing. And then it's summer. On the way home, we should be getting ice cream and rolling with the wind. And on the way home, we're talking about the negative thing. Are you with me? And we're rehearsing something that didn't even change, but we've now wasted another trip. Are you with me? And it's just, it's, it's in culture. We give attention to the crisis in the, amen. I'll close with this. Colossians chapter three, verse 16 says this, basically talks to us about how to live out God's word through our words. Colossians three sixteen says, let the word of Christ live in you richly. So we're just hiding God's word deep in our heart. Then it says flooding you with all wisdom. So we hide God's word in our heart so that it gives us great wisdom. And then it says this, apply scripture as you teach and instruct one another with psalms. So it's saying you hide it, you keep it, you put it all in there. But part of the reason that you do that is so that then you can use your words to then share with one another. It doesn't say hide the word in your heart so you can be negative and I get picket signs and go to... No, it says you hide it all in there and then you get to a point where you can instruct one another. And then it says, and with festive praises. What are praises? We're singing out what God's doing in our life. That's why I love worship. We come in and we don't sing songs about how bad our days are and how much God... No, we come in and we, we speak what? God's promises. Amen. And then it says, with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit... Isn't that interesting that the scripture says the Holy Spirit will give you a spontaneous song to what? Sing out. Use your words to release. So sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of all of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise. How often are we constantly praising and speaking of good? Constant. To God because the Father of what Christ has done. Here's actually the big truth. All the time that we want to spend talking about negativity really isn't fair to God because what He deserves is constant praise for all that He's actually done for us. Oh, this didn't work out, and this didn't work out, and this didn't work out. I just wonder if God's in heaven being like, yeah, but you're eternally redeemed. Oh, but I didn't get this, and we didn't get that, and it rained... Oh, but what about eternity is saved from, are you with me? So a lot of times we spend so much time in negativity. I just wonder what that does to the heavenly father. Scripture says this, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. At this time when they threw a banquet or they had a feast or a high level event, they would bring out, of course, apples of gold in a setting of silver. Scripture doesn't really say if they were sprayed or whatever the real thing was. But basically it was this. It was a great privilege. It was a great treat. It was a huge blessing if in your life you were presented with these apples of gold and this silver thing. And the scripture saying is a word fitly spoken is a treat. It's a privilege. It's a, it's a beautiful thing in your life when someone uses their word. 
So in this world that has no answer and so confused and so much pain and so much, what if we could come in like this, the apples of gold in a setting of silver and be like life-giving? They could go, oh my gosh, look at this that I get to be because some Christians came along and spoke life instead of shouting all the problems all the time. Amen.